0: Welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. God is awesome. God is amazing. Um, Thank you for sharing that, Kathy. I know that that's probably something that we've all heard many times before, but I absolutely believe that God wanted you to share that because it fits so perfectly with what God's put on my heart to share this morning as well. So obviously that's a message that we need to be reminded of, it's something that we know, but you know, like so many things, we we need to be reminded because we start to forget, don't we? Yeah, so thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit and, and sharing that we've been looking at uh this series we've been talking about spiritual warfare we've been talking about how to uh i guess live out of that position of the victory that we already have in order to experience the victories that we need, like on a day-to-day basis in our lives. How to, how to win over the, the, the battles that go on in our mind and in our thought life, how to, to be victorious in the areas that Jesus wants us to, how to live the, the life and, and fulfill the purpose and do the stuff that God's called us to do, how to, to, to not let the enemy get that um, foothold in our life. And and this last week, that I want to kind of uh, sort of draw things together a little bit, but it's kind of in a way more of an encouragement than anything. And the the, the topic is God is with us. And um, so we've covered a lot of ground over the last six weeks or so, seven if you count the one that we couldn't have church. But uh, but but all these a lot of concepts around. the, the spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle that we're in we've talked about this idea that there's a an unseen world all around us that influences us and influences our life whether we recognize it or not and we don't have to be fearful of that but we need to be aware we need to be conscious of that and and looking at how to make sure that that it's it's the god that's influencing us and not other kind of unseen spiritual forces demonic spirits our, our own self or our own thoughts that are that are the driving or primary influence in our life we talked about the armor of god not the armoire of god uh, so <laughs> for those of you who saw that little cartoon i know it took me way too long to actually <laughs> to to get that I don't have any armoires in uh, in my house. My, I'm blaming that as my, my excuse, but um, the the armor of God uh, and how we put that on and and what it means to kind of live in that. Talked about those those patterns of thinking, the the battlefield of our mind where the enemy attacks with lies, and and the things that at times we believe we believe about ourselves, the things that we believe about other people the things that we believe about our world even the things that sometimes we believe about God himself that are sometimes don't not based in the truth of God's word or you know what what Satan often does he sort of gives you a little bit of truth so that you kind of buy the the, the lie or the twist or, or things like that uh, and we talked about how the, the truth, how God's Word and, and God's truth is, is the best kind of counteract, uh, the best defense, the best weapon we have to counteract that tool that Satan uses to, to, to battle with us. Talked about the authority of Jesus' name and, uh, last week and the authority of God's Word and the importance of if, if we want to exercise authority, we have to be under authority. Because the one who actually has the real power, that's God, um, He he delegates to those who are under His authority. And what it means to walk in His authority and and in submission to Him when we surrender to God, we find that we walk in greater authority than when we don't. And as we we kind of come to this last message today, this this idea of of God with us, it's kind of really cool because it, it fits with the, the whole Christmas vibe, doesn't it? God is is with us. And I wanna just share firstly from Matthew chapter one, this is just kind of a little snip. We couldn't have a the last service before Christmas without just a little bit of Christmas school. We didn't get any carols this morning but some of some, some of us are probably happy about that. <laughs> We'll have some carols on Thursday night, so if you're fixing, if you're desperate for your carols fix, come along Thursday night. But I want to read just a little bit from a familiar story from Matthew chapter 1 this morning. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, "'Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus.' For he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now we know that when Mary and Joseph had their little baby boy, and like that little portion of scripture that we just read, there is some absolutely miraculous God power kind of working stuff in there. And, and so, like, so often we just kind of read over it, and it's like, oh yeah, that happened, and that happened, and like, stop and think about some of that stuff. You know, angels appearing in dreams, let alone the the the, the conception of a baby by the Holy Spirit, even to begin with, the greatest miracle the world has ever known. Um, you know, and just just wonder if if I had an angel appear and give me a message, whether it was in a dream or or what, I'd be I'd be pretty happy. I think that'd be pretty exciting, um, and I'd be telling everybody. But you know, sometimes we kind of gloss over that a little bit, don't we? But we have this this quote where, where Matthew quotes from the prophet Isaiah, something that was um, uh, prophesied centuries beforehand. And and we know that and it says that they will have a, a give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel. Now we know that they didn't name the baby Emmanuel, did they? <laughs> well, there are babies today that get named Emmanuel, but so um, but this is kind of one of those things where rather than the the actual name that his parents call him, it's it's a name that describes. It's like one of those kind of things where where Jesus is described as the the Prince of Peace, the the Son of God, the the Mighty One, you know, Emmanuel he's talking about the Messiah will be, the very revelation of God come to earth. He will be God with us. And here's like one of the things that that, that I find really exciting about this as well, often we think, oh yeah, you know, is God with us because he came as a human being and, and lived on earth. But, you know, yes, God with us, you know, we say God is with us in the sense that you know a, a physical proximity like he's here the bible talks about how he's everywhere you know whether whether we're at home in our you know bedroom having our quiet time or you know whether we're you know in church or whether we're at, we're at bible study or whether you know wherever it is we are um, it says God is there David the psalmist writes you know I could go up to the heavens and you'd be there, I could go down to the, the grave, I could go you know, as far as the, you know, the, the morning sun in the east or something like that, I don't remember the exact words but it kind of gives this impression that wherever I could go, in the earth, in the heavens, in space, whatever, God would be there and scripture is full of references of God being a God who cannot be contained either by heaven or by earth. You ever thought about that one? God, God cannot exist purely in heaven because heaven's not big enough to contain him. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? I like that one. Um, but he's also with us, so you know, we know that God is with us, we say that he's present but he's also with us in the sense that he is for us. You know, that, that sense of, you know, when you say, yes, come on, let's do it, I'm with you. Is anybody, you, do you know what I'm talking about? You, you, have you ever said that to somebody or someone ever said that to you? It's like, come on, we can do it. I'm with you. Let's go. That sense of God is, is on our side, is, is for us, is wanting us to succeed. Um, you know, even more than that is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you to succeed. And, and we, so we, we have this uh, sense in which when, when the Bible declares that Jesus is God with us, so when Jesus came to earth, it was this declaration that God was saying, God is with us. That, that there's all of that kind of stuff. If you, want, if you want kind of a sense of God's heart, you know, just kind of look at the story of the, the prodigal son. You know, in that sense that the, the father's heart, as Jesus came to reveal the father, and he tells this story about this father who, you know, loves his son. And he wants the best for his son and he gives him his freedom to go and make his own choices but his heart is that the son will return and that they'll be together because God has always wanted to be present with his people. This has been God's desire from the very beginning is not to be distant, not to be removed but to be close, to be near. We read the stories throughout Scripture. You can start right at the beginning with the Garden of Eden, and what was what was God's plan? God's desire was to be able to walk in the garden with Adam, to have this kind of relationship, this this nearness, this closeness of relationship. It wasn't kind of a he wasn't a, a distant, far off God that just kind of you know made Adam and then left him to his devices, was he? And all through Scripture, we read about God who was present with his people, as he led his people out of slavery, he wanted them to come and meet him on the mountain and as he led them through the wilderness, he was present through the the tabernacle and the temple. There was always this sense of God desiring to be present with his people. And as we talk about kind of spiritual warfare and spiritual battle, a lot of the, the Old Testament kind of gives us some great sort of pictures of that, doesn't it? The people of Israel would often carry the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence, with them into battle. That is not a, not a normal kind of thing to do, is it? You know, you read the description of the Ark, it's kind of like it's covered with gold, there's, there's gold all over it. Most armies did not carry their valuable treasures with them into battle. That, that was, was not normal procedure. But this was more than just gold, this was more than just a, a, a treasure or, or a relic, this was the presence of God and it kind of symbolized this idea that as the, the Israelites went into battle, that God went before, that God was with them. And often it was, you know, there's, uh, I think Second Chronicles records a, a great kind of story about how, you might remember it, that God instructed the people to send the the, the priests and the, the ark out in front of the army towards the enemy and they'd be singing and worshipping and you know all this kind of stuff going on. Now what usually happened to the guys who were in the very front line <laughs> usually wasn't a good end in, in those days. And I don't know how, you know, uh, if I was one of those priests, I'm not sure, I would have been a little bit nervous, I think, about, about this whole plan and going, oh, are you sure about that, Lord? <laughs> you know, you want to just double check that, uh, was that front or back? Yeah, no. yeah, maybe in the middle, that would be fine, we can handle the middle. You know, yes, of course I trust you, Lord, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but, and there was this amazing victory, like, they, they didn't even have to fight. God fought for them and it was this sense of when, when they went into battle they understood that the presence of God with them was more important than sharpening their swords, it was more important than putting on their armor, it was more important than coming up with a great battle plan, it was all that mattered. All that mattered was that God went with them. You remember the encounter with Moses in, in Exodus when they're coming, they've just come out and he's going into the promised land and, and, uh, and Moses is like, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, then, then let's, let us just stay here. He said, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere if it means your presence doesn't come with us. Uh, Gideon, who remembers Gideon? In Judges chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, I've a couple of just little verses here. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. So they're, they're living in fear of the Midianites. They're hiding stuff because if they think if the Midianites get wind that we've got any kind of resources, that we've got food, they're going to swoop in, they're going to raid, they're going to take what they can carry and burn the rest. They were, they were under oppression. They were living in fear. And so the, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. It's interesting, isn't it? And Gideon then responds in in the way that all mighty warriors do and say, "Hey, wait a minute, you got the wrong guy." <laughs> I'm a nobody. I'm I'm my clan's the weakest and I'm the least in my clan and, you know, and, and there's this whole kind of thing in the story of Gideon that we learn, isn't there, that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've got to offer. What matters is whether or not God is with you. And when God is with you, even 300 people can defeat an army of tens of thousands. And they learned a great lesson that day. When Joshua 1, nine, it's a fantastic verse, a great verse. Many of you would have this encouragement. It's one of, the, it's one of those uh, fridge magnet verses, you know. It's like this, he's talking to Joshua and he's calling Joshua to, to lead the people after the death of Moses. He says, this is my command, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go, wherever you go. We used to sing that old song, every place in which your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. You remember that one? Anyone? Anyone? Just me? Yeah. One of those old Orange Book choruses. Uh, so we have this again and again and again. When, when God wants to encourage someone, when, God is, you know, when, when there's a battle to be fought, God comes and He says, don't be afraid, I am with you. And we see this desire of God to be with His people. As we come into the New Testament, we see the life of Jesus and we see the words that Jesus spoke and how Jesus came basically to be God with us. And he talked about the importance and the kind of relationship and the kind of connection that God wants to have with us where he's not just kind of, sometimes we think of God with us as though, you know, God is just kind of in the vicinity watching over our shoulder, you know, just kind of waiting for you to to make a mistake and mess up and God doesn't miss any of your mistakes, he sees them all so, you know, you better be careful Will be like Santa Claus, you know. Sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. Sees if you've been bad, knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness' sake. Sometimes that's a little bit of like our image of God, isn't it? Scary thought. But but you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Yes, God sees, but God is not there to. For, for those who are in Christ, God is not watching us in order to judge us, but watching us in order to cheer us on and help us succeed and, and direct and guide and love and care for us. He talks about, in, in John chapter 15, he talks about this idea of uh, being connected in relationship with him. And he says, If you stay connected to me and I stay connected to you, then you, your life will be fruitful, you'll be productive, you will, you will bear awesome fruit for God. And he sort of, by, by contrast, what do we have? It's like if you're disconnected, then what does he say? You wither and die. <laughs> and he uses that illustration of the vine. He says, the branches that are connected to the vine are healthy, they're full of life, they bear fruit, and he says, this is what you will be, this is what your life will look like if you stay connected to me. And he goes on a, a few verses later. And he says, I, I no longer call you servants, and now I call you friends. So we have this idea of, like, we, you know, and we, we see all through the New Testament this idea of, of no longer just kind of being slaves or servants to God, although we, we still have that attitude. And in, in, some, in one sense, we're slaves of God and servants of God, as Scripture talks about. But there's also this dimension where we're sons and daughters, where we're heirs of the promise, we're part of God's family, When, uh, when Jesus was asked what the, the greatest thing or the most important thing that you can do with your life. Do you remember what he said? He said, the most important thing, remember this, first and foremost, love God. With all that you've got, love God. It's interesting, isn't it? He didn't say the most important thing is that you do this and do this or don't do this. And, you know, he didn't say the most important thing is that you um, share the gospel. He didn't say the most important thing is that you make sure you you give your money in the plate at church or, you know, all those kind of stuff. Now, he didn't say you shouldn't do those things. But he said the most important thing, the number one thing is that you love God because we were created and designed for relationship with God. That we are only truly content uh, in, in ourselves when we are connected to God. And God understood this because that's his heart too. That's his desire as well. He says it, doesn't, it isn't just what we want, but God also desires that. And that's why he created us with that desire. He has that desire for us and he wants us to have that desire also for him. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when we come to the, the struggles and the wrestles, when we come to those moments where we're battling with thoughts and wrestling with stuff in our mind or you know we, we're not sure what's going to happen in our future, we're not sure how things are going to work out or, or we're wrestling with relationships or, or difficult times and trials um, with challenges, it is really important that we remember that God is in it with us. That we haven't been left to fend for ourselves, that He's not far away, that He is present in our every situation. And this is the encouragement that I believe that God wants us to receive today. So I want to give you uh, just three ways quickly that understanding this concept of, of Jesus as God with us, that His presence in our life gives us victory. Number one is that you are not alone. How many times when we're going through difficult situations do we feel like we're in it alone? And there's nothing more discouraging, is there? But I can absolutely tell you with 100% certainty that that thought that says, I'm in this alone, that nobody understands what I'm going through, that nobody cares, is a lie. It's a lie direct from the enemy to make you feel alone alone to make you forget that God is with you and that you are part of a family. Jesus has said it, God has said it um, in his word. Uh, A couple of verses here, Hebrews 13 verse 5, it says, Don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. It's really interesting that often we disconnect the second part of the verse from the first part, isn't it? We, we know the second part of that verse, but the first part of the verse is really talking about worry. Just like Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says, don't worry about what you'll wear, don't worry about what you'll eat, your Father's got it all in hand. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying as well. He says, don't, you don't have to chase after money. You don't have to let that consume you. You don't have to let that be your be-all and end-all. He says, Just, you, know, you can be content. Because we know that God is with us in every situation, whether you've got a job or whether you don't have a job, whether you've got plenty, whether you've got little, whatever circumstance you're in. And, and Paul says the same thing. He says, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. You know, and, and Hebrews here says that the contentment that we have comes from remembering that we're not in it alone but that God is with us and He will never leave us. Uh, When Jesus was talking to His disciples, one of the last things that's recorded that He says to His disciples is, go into all the world. We know the Great Commission. Preach the Gospel, make disciples, uh, baptize people. And He says, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then He left. No, (laughs) no. Uh, it's, it's an interesting to say, interesting thing to say just before you take it up into the clouds, isn't it? Hey, I'm about to leave, but know that I'm always here. But he, he, was, he was referring to, to his presence in our lives through uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's such a, a powerful thing to know that Jesus is with us. Uh, Romans 8.38 says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing you do, nothing you say, nothing that can happen to you or be done to you, no, no circumstance, no, no situation will ever put a barrier between you and God's love. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And, and here's something that's really important to remember too. God is with us because He said He would be. Not because you deserve it, not because of your performance, not because you've got enough gold stars on your chart. He is with us because He promised to be. He is faithful, you know, unlike us, He always keeps His promises. There is never ever a reason why God cannot keep His promise. And that's an amazing thing. That is such an encouraging thing for me because I know that just like in that that poem that was read this morning, you know, it's like in those tough times when when I'm really not feeling very spiritual, when I'm really not feeling like praising Jesus, that God is still with me in that moment. That he doesn't abandon me, he doesn't leave me, he, he is still with me whether I'm happy about it or not. Whether I'm acting like I deserve God's presence or not, he's, he's still with me because if he wasn't, that would mean that he's a promise breaker and unfaithful and that can never happen. It is against his very nature to be unfaithful. So we have this promise that we can stand on, that we can go back to, that we can declare, even in those moments when we don't feel it, that we are not alone and that will help us as we wrestle with stuff spiritually and and circumstantially things with our life trials and challenges as an important thing to remember number two is that God sees what you're going through God is not unaware and there's a great story in Mark chapter 6 Verse 45, and it's just straight after Jesus had just fed the crowd of 5,000 people with a little lunch, and the disciples jump in the boat, and Jesus goes off to pray. It says, uh, so, so yeah, immediately after this, it says, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Do you remember this story? Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And if you read on, we're just going to leave it there. But, you know, we know that's the story. Jesus comes out and he's walking on the water and he gets into the boat and calms the storm and, uh, and all that kind of stuff, amazing Miracle, and it's often the focus uh, when we look at that story, isn't it? Is that is that miracle? Jesus walking on water, Jesus having power over the storm. But oh, I love this, like when when they were struggling, when they were out in the middle of the lake, and the wind was blowing, and they were having a hard time, and they were they it says they were in serious trouble, they were afraid for their life. It says Jesus saw them, and so often we need to be reminded, we need to remind ourselves sometimes that that God sees and God knows the things that we're going through. God knows the circumstances that we're dealing with and the the challenges and the trials. God knows when people are saying bad things about you and spreading rumours or telling lies and, and all that kind of stuff, God sees that. God sees when people cheat you or or wrong you or reject it or he sees when circumstances conspire and through nobody's fault, just it feels like everything's going wrong, like 2020 in general. (laughs) God God sees that. God knows that stuff. He sees you when, when life just isn't fair and he sees that and knows that. But even more than that, he sees you. He sees when you're on top of it and when you're coping and when you're, you're hopeful and you're, you're still there and he sees you when you're not. He sees you when, when you're struggling. He sees you when you, you just can't get out of bed and it just feels like life isn't worth living. He sees you when you're at the end and you're, you're ready to give up. He sees you and he sees me. And he's with us there in that valley. God sees you. And God knows you. But even better than that, even better than that, God gives us everything we need to overcome. Yes, it's great that God sees. But it's even better that he has the power to step in and change things, isn't it? Isn't that good? Look at this verse in Second in Peter chapter one. It says, "By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. This is how it's activated in our life. This is how we we receive all of those things that that God has for us by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvellous glory and excellence. God has given you everything you need because He's given you His Spirit. He's given you Himself everything that you need to live in victory. Everything you need to win this battle, everything you need to win the next battle, everything you need to win the one after that, and the one after that, you get where this is going, right? Everything you need to win the battle, he has given to you in Christ. You have strength in him when you feel like your strength is depleted. You have hope when you feel hopeless. You have peace in him in the midst of chaos and and turmoil. You have joy in him. When there is no other reason to have joy, you have joy in Christ. You have wisdom to make the right decisions, to make the right choices, to know the way forward as God leads you in him. You have boldness when you feel afraid. You can endure when you feel weary and tired. You have victory in Him. He's given you everything that you need to win this battle. So rise up, mighty warrior. Rise up. Maybe today... Uh, you're in a place where you, where you've been struggling. I don't know. Maybe you, you haven't felt that God has been particularly close to you, and you've struggled to have that sense. Maybe you've uh, that that maybe you've experienced in the past or at different times in your life. And you're like, I, I want to get that back. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you you're fighting a, a spiritual battle, and uh, you know in your in the area of your thought life, and there are things that have just discouraged you and brought you down. God wants to remind you today that you are not alone, that He sees the things that you're wrestling with and that you're going through and He has equipped you with everything that you need today. Because today and, and this week, we celebrate that Jesus came and, and was born in that, that manger in humble circumstances To become the God who is with us. And because of that, you know, this is the good news of the Christmas story. This is the good news of the gospel. That we are no longer kind of trying to do the right thing by ourselves, but that we have been empowered by His Spirit at work in us. He is with you, He is for you, He is Emmanuel. God with us. I want to encourage you this week. We're going to pray in just a second and invite the music team to come back up. But but this week as you in, in those moments this week and next week and, and in the days ahead are going to be mo- all of us have moments where where we struggle with stuff, don't we? We have little moments of, of doubt. We have little moments of discouragement. We have little moments of going, God, are, are you really there? Is this all just some big hoax, or you know, wh- whatever kinds of things? God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. God, I'm feeling lonely. God, I'm you know, sad. All, all kinds of things that, that go on in our lives on a day to day basis. But I want to encourage you. In those moments when you're struggling, in those moments when you're feeling like, God, are you there? I want you to think about praying and starting off by praying this, saying, God, I know that I'm not alone today. God, I know that you see the wrestle within me and you don't condemn me for that but that you, you, you strengthen me and you, you've equipped me with everything that I need to, to, to beat this, to get back to joy, to get back to peace, to get back to, to, to contentment in my relationship with you, knowing that everything is in your hands. Can I encourage you to, to start your pray, prayer with that? Start talking to God with that and, and see where you go and what he does in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the the truth and the power of your word. Lord, we thank you for the things that you've been showing to us and revealing us through this series on spiritual warfare. Lord, we thank you that, that for many of us, you've been opening our eyes to things that have been going on in our lives that we've been ignorant to. And you've been leading and speaking to us by your spirit. And Father, this morning, we thank you particularly that you are God with us that in every battle that we face, in every challenge uh, that that we have to overcome, that we know that we aren't alone. You have not abandoned us. You have not left us as orphans to to try to struggle through this life, but that you are with us and and you give us your strength, that you give us your joy, you give us your wisdom, you give us your peace and all the things that we need for, for every battle, for every trial that we come up against. Lord, I pray that you would help us to draw near to you, to reach out to you, to cry out to you in those moments. Lord, to to lean on your strength, to draw on you and to allow you to speak into those situations in our life, to bring your truth that you speak to counteract the lies of the enemy. Lord, for each one of us that are here this morning and for those who are not as well, Father, I pray that you would help us to live and and walk in the victory that you won for us at the cross. To, To grow day by day in our ability to surrender and submit to you. And to live the life that you have purposed and called us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.